we have to be more intentional and I think less wasteful, not only in our resources, which is time, money, flights, fuel that goes into the atmosphere, but intentional in if we want to have this newness and this experiences that we're craving so much and we just want to be in these places, then it's okay to do less and go slower, but we're still there. Hi, everyone. I'm Liz Kasky. As a travel curator, cook, wine aficionado, and design lover, I've always been fascinated by the stories of how creatives pursue their dreams. What's the energy behind a great chef and restaurant? How is that tasty cheese made? Why does this wine speak to me? What was the inspiration for that hotel? Or simply appreciating the artistry of an old world weaving with contemporary design. I'm constantly searching for local flavors and am passionate about sharing them. Welcome to In Search of Flavor, a podcast that explores the experiences, ideas, and stories behind the fascinating trailblazers in the Americas from north to south and the beautiful projects they've birthed. So pour yourself a glass of wine, dial into your wonderlust, and get ready to be inspired. Hi, guys. Welcome to the In Search of Flavor podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about getting back in the travel saddle. It is something that we are fielding emails about when can we travel to South America. I know a lot of you here in the U.S. and North America are ready to get back out into the world and dust off your travel wish list, especially after a year of sticking closer to home. And so since there's a real sense of renewed wanderlust and purpose, we see that people are really looking to take these once-in-a-lifetime bucket list destination trips. And clearly, there are many places that are in South America that are on the list. So this week, I want to focus a little bit on sharing our insights in how we see the situation evolving there because it has evolved. Every day evolves. Obviously, COVID is very fluid, but we want to share our approach, our insights. And if you are looking to get a big trip like this on the calendar for 2022 or even 2023, now is not a bad time to start thinking about that and planning that because there is a lot of pent up travel that we are going to see, I believe, demand get very crazy moving into the second half of this year into next. So let's just dive in here and I'm going to share my super straightforward opinion like I have in a couple webinars that some of you have attended. I'm just going to introduce myself. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, so you know what we do besides this podcast that we share our love of terroir, wine, food, South America and now California. We put together curated travel focused on food and wine in South America, and we've done so since 2004 after I escaped my past life in the financial world and banking and dedicated myself to what I really loved, which was cooking, and I went to some school to learn about wine. So we organically grew our business to cover most of the Spanish-speaking world with the exception of Paraguay and Bolivia. Brazil is its own country and own I would almost say uh, island within South America. It's very unique. So we don't do that. But I want to cover these places, each country one by one, so you can sort of get a take the pulse, quite literally, of what's happening there right now and how we feel there could this could evolve as we think in how to book these places. So, I mean, there's a strategy. So one thing that I really want to put out there, this is obviously our opinion as travel advisors, 
And much like a financial advisor that you go to someone to help you manage your money or plan your estate or anything relating to that, there is a strategy needed and you trust that person that's giving you that. So I just want to give a disclaimer that I do not have a crystal ball. I don't know how COVID is going to evolve. I don't know if what the governments will do. We just you know, have our teams on the ground. We obviously are tracking the different ministerios, the salud, the health ministries, and, you know, having spent half my life, and my husband is from Chile, obviously, we have our team there. We have our hands in the region still. So we have like a sense of where this, how, how this is, is, is moving, but nothing is finite. So I just want to put that forth. So how we are approaching this situation overall, so you can see you know, what the metrics are that we're using is I would say we've been extremely conservative in terms of how we are, we've suggested clients to book their travel. And I think the prudent approach right now is, is very necessary because South America is a different reality, even in the pre-COVID times in terms of the way the infrastructure of the continent is compared to other places like Western Europe or the US. I mean, you're dealing with the exception pretty much of Chile and and Uruguay, which you could call as, I think they call it the second world sometimes, which is between, I guess, the third and the first worlds. The infrastructure is fragile. And so COVID has really stressed this and broken it in some places. So the, the the responses and how the governments are rolling out vaccination programs, managing lockdowns, managing border closures and openings is very, very different from each country. So you really, you can't take this as a whole continent. You have to look at it on a country by country basis. So I think that's the most important thing to note. And so we've been very prudent. Obviously, if the borders are closed right now, you wouldn't want to go there. And if you did, you would only go if you have family and are willing to go through quarantine requirements and have obviously the documentation get in. However, when we're talking about booking travel for most of the region, with the exception of Chile, which I will get into, I think a lot of South America is realistically going to be from March to June, 2022, looking forward. So that's conservative. Once again, it has to be constantly evaluated, but it is a good time to start thinking about traveling here. And this is why, because there's going to be a lot of pent up demand and a lot of the rebookings from 2020 carrying over. A lot of the hotels are not the, the, the hotels we work with that tend to be smaller boutique lodges, high-end properties in many cases, they're just not going to have the space because they don't have the rooms. So if you do want to get some of these trips on the books, like I'm just going to throw out there like 2022 holidays in Patagonia, which is always really hard to find space in general, or any of these, these destinations, they, you're going to see a lot of demand, particularly for 2022, 2023. So I think it's a good time to start discussing this and, and not put it off because this will be a case of the early bird gets the worm. Going back to what our metrics are, so when we look at how if you want to travel in the next six to nine months, let's say, the, the COVID metrics and vaccination rates, I think, are a really good place to start because if you look at it, it gives you a sense of where is the infection at, basically, and how are they managing it. 
And so we always are are sort of tracking both of those. What is the daily caseload? What is the positivity rate? And what percentage of the total population has their either first, second dose ideally complete? And what this tells you is obviously if you're traveling abroad, I hope that you're fully vaccinated, but it also, that doesn't mean it's foolproof. So it's what it's essentially, this is like a risk analysis profile, the same way if you were going to invest in a, you know, high risk or stock or volatile market, you would be obviously tracking the fundamentals to understand what the exposure looks like. The other thing too, I mean, to keep in mind is what kind of trip are you going to be planning? And I think this is something worth noting because a lot of the the type of travel in COVID has really shifted from being in the cities, even the way we live now, to a more nature outdoor setting. So obviously, a tour of the grand cities of perhaps, you know, Santiago, Buenos Aires in the past, and even like people jump up to, to Lima. Urban settings may not be what you're looking for, but if you are going to smaller lodges that are isolated, that you know the staff has been vaccinated, or it's a very controlled bubble travel scenario, that's a very different scenario than going on a on a trip in these cities where you're going to be in markets, on city streets, and restaurants where vaccination rates are low. The exposure looks very different. And so that's a very important thing to keep in mind. Where are you going and what kind of travel are you going to be doing? Three, obviously, are you vaccinated? Which, once again, I hope you are. And how healthy are you? And are you traveling with people that maybe can't be vaccinated, i.e. children? I have two children under the age of 12 that cannot be vaccinated. So we are not doing much traveling until that time arrives because I don't particularly want to play with that at all. I don't think, I think it for them, they deserve to, to be healthy. Or if you're traveling with somebody that would have immuno disorders or uh, suppression or anything like that, you'd need to be mindful of the exposure once again. And then I think this is an important thing that people don't always talk about because there's a lot of within the travel, if you follow travel, some travel influencers, for example, or even other travel companies that their advisors are out and, you know, first entry to new countries or on safari, et cetera. I think it's one thing if I go and explore and vet, but it's another if I want to put you as my client and your family in the situation of going to this place, like how safe do I really feel this is? And safety doesn't always come down to infection rates. It also comes down to how does the government respond if there is a spike or an outbreak? What, you know, historically has been their response. If there is an outbreak, will they shut down the country and the airport and then all flights disappear in 24 hours? So I think you need to be also, and that's where having a local partner, a travel advisor is more necessary than ever. If you do want to travel internationally is you need to be very aware of how governments are managing this piece. And then tied to that is what is the game plan if you get stuck? Because it can happen. How long are you willing to get stuck or how much are you willing to pay to get out of that by, I don't know, humanitarian flight, private jet, et cetera? Or if you get sick while you're there, what is the healthcare infrastructure system like? So I think these are questions, once again, it's comparing to financial planning, just because I know a lot of you do that. I think you need to lay out everything on the table with somebody that knows the region and what your goals are for your trip and when you're going and talk through these points and where is your tolerance because it comes down to that. I'm not saying you can't travel. I'm not saying you shouldn't travel. I'm saying that this requires 
strategy and studying perhaps in a way that we did not have to think about it before. And the other thing I will just roll in here, in the past, there seemed to be sometimes a lack of understanding of South American geography in the sense of how big the continent is. I mean, if you take South America and lay it over Western Europe or the US, it's almost the same size. So when we come back to travel with this renewed list of places and desires that we want to, and experiences we want to have, I think we need to go deeper in one place. So guys, as you're doing this, don't try to do the 15, 21 day tour to hit Machu Picchu and Iguazu. And while I'm at it, because I'm quote in the neighborhood, air quotes, let's go down to Buenos Aires and oh, maybe I'll just go down to the Bariloche for three days. Let's go deeper and think streamlined in terms of logistics, where we are in relationship to international airports. What we have to we have to be more intentional and I think less wasteful not only in our resources, which is time, money, flights, fuel that goes into the atmosphere, but intentional in if we want to have this newness and this experiences that we're craving so much and we just want to be in these places, then it's okay to do less and go slower, but we're still there and we still get what we're looking for. And we have more time with our family. And in fact, you know, instead of getting up and running around to do all this stuff every day, you have time to savor being there. And and we can really learn from, you know, that's one of the great gifts that COVID gave us, to be perfectly honest. So my suggestion as a starting point is look at it from that. Pick one place and go deep. I'm going to lay out the situation by country now that you kind of know how we're evaluating. I'll dive in a little bit what, it's not a magic eight ball, but a, what, where we feel more certain in terms of where you could book now in a in, you know a six to nine month window, for example, I'm going to start in, in in Chile. Obviously, you know that we I lived half my life in Chile and I still have our home there, and so we're very attuned, particularly with what's going on. And Chile within South America is really the number one country that is positioned to emerge first from this pandemic. And when I say emerge, I don't mean in a way that's the borders are open because what you're seeing in a lot of the world is people are opening the borders, even if COVID is not controlled, because there's a pressure for tourism dollars to come in. And that has been obviously a very hard thing to manage when GDPs depend on up to 20, 30% of, of tourism dollars, like Peru in particular is one of those countries. So Chile though, because it is a richer country, it has more resources, it has a an administration from its central government that's more organized and less corrupt than other other countries, the control of the virus and the vaccine rollout has been significantly different. So just to give you an idea, right now, Chile's vaccination rates for the total population over 18 of adults is at 72% complete two doses. That's in fact, I believe, last I checked, higher than the US. So of 18 million people in the country, 12.1 million are fully dosed. And they in fact even have, they're starting to work on a plan to do booster shots for a potential third shot that would be needed. There are enough doses in the country. What this means is that by September, they should be in a situation where they've achieved herd immunity and the 
you know, the borders will be reopening. They've also been really strict with keeping the borders closed and with lockdowns just to control the spread of the virus. But as, a, as they are emerging, the projections for the high season, which in the Southern Cone, which is Chile, Argentina, and Uruguay, runs from November to April, which is when you can also go to places like Patagonia and the Southern Lake District, which are to the extreme south. It looks very good. And I would say of all the places we feel most confident that Chile has handled this in a very straight ways that they're managing it. So I would say if you want to travel from holidays on, if you can find space, January on, let's say, I think Chile is your safest bet right now, to be perfectly honest. Uruguay, which I'm going to just tack on to Chile because they had really kept COVID to a minimum for a long time and then had an outbreak after the last summer. They also are having a very quick vaccination rollout. They've shut their borders down for the time being, being too, but things are, are looking much better and they're anticipating opening the border in the next couple months. So once again, because of the government's approach and the level of vaccination rates. And also to keep in mind, Uruguay is also a very small population. The total country is around 4 million people. They do have this possibility of containing it. The biggest challenge there will obviously be that they're neighbors with Brazil. So I feel that needs to still be monitored a little bit, but a lot of our, our partners that and, and guides that work in Jose Ignacio, the Punta Leste area in particular, feel that the summer months should be fairly normal by then. So those are the two kind of positioning in the Southern Cone that if you're thinking about where to go, we, we feel that they're they're going to fare well. Argentina is in a very different situation. The vaccination rollout has been extremely bureaucratic and disorganized and very slow. In fact, the last I read, it was around less than 10% or hovering about there of the population is vaccinated. And at least in speaking with a lot of friends on the ground in Mendoza and, and, and partners there, it's it's been a slow response. And the, the caseloads are still extremely high there. So I... I'm not very bullish on Argentina right now, unfortunately, because I, you know, we all love <laughs> Mendoza and Buenos Aires and Iguazu, and there's so many wonderful places to visit. However, I feel that Argentina is going to be later in 2022 until they can catch up, particularly too because the border closures have been very harsh there. It has not opened its borders since COVID hit, and there were, if, as many of you may have heard last year on the news, there was some situations where people were stuck on cruise ships circling off of the coast of Buenos Aires for months and had to be, get on humanitarian flights. So once again, I don't know if maybe this will rapidly improve and I will be totally wrong in three months, but my sense is it's going to be a slower recovery there than than in Chile and, and Uruguay and the Southern Cone. So I, I feel if you do want to do Argentina, if you're dying to get to Mendoza, I mean, who hasn't, if you really want to get that on your list, I would say try to start thinking about it for high season 2022 into 2023. If you want to go at Christmas, which was when a lot of people want to be there, now is the time though for 2022 Christmas to do it. So you're not, you're, you're actually in the perfect positioning if that's your game plan. Moving north, to Peru. And this is one I want to touch on because I'm, I'm, for some reason, getting a lot of emails about travel colleagues and, and people going to Peru as because Machu Picchu is empty right now. And I will just 
you know, sort of share my take on this. Once again, this is my take. This doesn't mean my way is the right way or the only way. It's just my my vision of this. So Peru, as a lot of you know, has had statistically in the world the highest mortality rate from COVID. And really their their very fragile infrastructure, particularly in healthcare and the remoteness of a lot of the region was just pushed to the brink, pretty much collapsed with COVID. It's a little better now, but I mean, to give you an idea, the Chilean military was flying up canisters of oxygen and moving oxygen from Chile to Peru to the hospitals to help the situation. Things are getting a little better, but there are still, I mean, you have to be mindful. The border will let you in now. You have to have your, obviously, your negative PCR test. You have to wear face shields on all your flights domestically and even entering the country. You have to take the rapid antigen test when you arrive. If you don't want to quarantine, there's there's a, a list of things that you must do. And so it's possible to come in the country. Masks are definitely enforced everywhere in South America right now. But in Peru, I mean, there's really a sense that people, people want tourists to come back because so much of their GDP depends on this. However, it's I think it's tricky because they're, they're, I am going to Machu Picchu, which pre-COVID had really was, was getting taxed with the amount of visitors. It, a lot of people want to experience this marvel of the world with nobody there. And I think that's a completely valid desire. However, for me, it's also weighing what can you do when you're there? What's open? Who are you coming in contact to with the in these communities that live there that don't have resources that, you know, their vaccination rates, even if they want to serve? Because it's it's very tricky. And I I personally do not feel comfortable sending people to Peru yet. I feel, once again, probably like Argentina will be maybe second to third quarter of 2022 or for the high season there and, and which would be a year from now, their high season, which is the driest months in the, in the highlands tends to run from May to September, October. So I hope by then we can see an increase in the amount of vaccination rates and the overall improvement in the number of COVID just given the, the situation with the lack of, of healthcare. So, I mean, you have to consider that it's not just healthcare when you're in Lima. It's when you're in the middle of Sacred Valley. What are your options? How do you get out? What happens if the government province shuts down the roads? There, there are a lot of considerations there that I feel there's just a lot of variables that are completely out of out of your power. And then you're to experience a lot of what we do there too. There's a culinary component that you have to be in markets. You want to be in restaurants. You want to be meeting with artisans. So I just... Once again, if you're going to Peru with the intention perhaps of going on a journey in the Amazon, like we in episode earlier episode last year spoke with the owner, the founder of Aqua Expeditions, if you're doing a takeover on Aqua or if you're coming to a lodge and just staying there, perhaps you can mitigate some of that risk. But I feel Peru is going to be later for us. If you are an intrepid traveler, you've read the risk assessments, the tolerance, and you're like, I want to know what Machu Picchu is like with nobody there, more power to you. I'm just sharing how I, I, I'm not as bullish. I feel there's still a little bit of path to cover there. A little further north, we don't work that deeply in Ecuador, although we do have a wonderful partner that we would recommend in the Galapagos, Galapagos Safari Camp, which you also, we did a podcast with Stephanie and her husband, Michael, the, the founders. The Galapagos are open right now. And 
Ecuador has been managing to a certain degree the particularly the Galapagos, the influx of the not having the virus influx. Once again, you are in a similar situation with Peru in terms of resources of the government and places. I think it comes down to a personal tolerance level. But the Galapagos would be because you're in a wild, uh, not a wildlife, a nature setting that you're outside most of the time. You're in private tents. You're with private guides. You're literally going point A to point B, I think, once again, it's the type of travel you're doing, you can probably set that up to be pretty bubble, bubbled, if you will. So that would be something to consider, particularly if you want to have, you know, a wonderful experience for your children in, in an exotic wildlife destination. That's not a ship or cruise. And finally, up north in Colombia, which all of you know how much I love Colombia. Colombia, we had felt was advancing pretty quickly for a while. They rolled out very quickly the first dose to a lot of their senior citizens in the 65 and up category. However, there was a hiccup with the fabrication of the, they were using a lot of the Chinese vaccine and that sort of halted and then got compacted by another lockdown and a series of pretty intense protests, mainly in a lot of the urban areas. This was in May, April, late April into May. However, things are pretty volatile still there. And um, unfortunately, the caseloads are really high. Colombia did do a move like Mexico did that they have now vanquished all the requirements with COVID testing coming in to try and stimulate external tourism. A little gamble, in my opinion. You do need to fill out a form prior to arriving. But it is open. Do you? I think you should go right now. No, I, I just I feel that when you're in a situation where you're averaging thirty thousand new cases a day and a fairly volatile government management scenario, it's it's not great. I hope that you know, as a lot of these vaccines are actually donated from the U.S. to South America, that we see the this tipping point in a lot of these countries that need the help in the distribution of the vaccines and access. I, I feel Colombia probably by the holidays, you know, later in 2021, you can assess where things are going. But at this moment, I, I feel we need to to hold a little bit and and observe. I don't know how else to put it. I know a lot of people... Our booking, Cartagena, it's close. It's tempting to that. Once again, what kind of travel are you going to? Are you running a private villa on the Rosario Islands in Cartagena? If so, you're coming down on your private jet or maybe, you know, just straight from the States and going there. And you're not going to be, you know, moving around in crowds and doing a lot of these things like I don't know if you tell me you want to be out in Cartagena in the Salsa Ticas and like all the cultural stuff in museums or moving to Bogota, the capital. I feel I feel it can be a little more challenging that combined with restrictions really varying from province to province. So once again, it's going to depend on what you want to do and where. But just being mindful of what you're walking into. So, you know, they still have high caseloads and, and low vac total vaccination rates. So that's sort of just like the high view of everything. I, I, I mean, I'm being super transparent about this, and and I want, I want, we want, we think travel is going to completely come back, and the region will thrive again. It's just not all going to happen at the same time. So just to resume, in case you were doing something else or driving while you're listening to this, if you want to go soon, Chile. 
definitely your number one bet, followed by Uruguay. And I think then, you know, if you're looking at doing Peru in high season, probably for next year, that means the Inca Trail, Amazon, even the Southern Circuit of Lake Titicaca, I would look further into 2022. Keep in mind, like June is very busy because of the Festival of the Sun in Peru. So you could look into like, I don't know, a year from now, July or August, even into September, but it will be busy. And then obviously Argentina would fall in a similar pattern for the end of 20, probably second half 2022 on Colombia TBD to be determined. And how can we help you? I mean, if you, for those of you that know us, maybe even have traveled with us, just drop us an email, info at lizkaski.com. We're happy to, you know, set up a, a short discovery call or send you our, our questionnaire so you can give us a little information on, on what you're looking for, because I do think in planning any trip, we need not only a strategy, you have to start with a vision. And what is it that you're looking for? How much are you going to invest in this trip? And that helps us structure a, a concrete conversation. So if you're interested in getting your return trip to South America or your bucket list destination on the calendar, for 2022 into 2023. Once again, you can just write us at info at lizkaski.com and myself or my team, we will get back to you with more information and we can dive in to discuss what you need. Thanks guys. And I hope this has served you as we all start dreaming about where we want to go later this year into next and just getting back in this saddle of traveling. I think it's going to be a little bit of an adaptation after being at home for so long. Some of us are more <laughs> gung-ho than others. Others are, you know, more cautious, but I think we, we can all ease back into it. And so when you feel ready with South America calling you, we would love to support you and whatever you need to make your trip there amazing. Next week, we will be tuning in with an awesome guest that bridges two continents that you will love. I'm very excited about this interview coming up. And until then, I wish you a wonderful week. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, family, colleagues, or whoever could use some deliciousness and wanderlust in their lives right now. Also, we'd love if you leave us a review on iTunes. They are tremendously helpful for other people to find the podcast. For more inspiration and information on how you can come to California wine country in South America with us or bring them into your home, visit our website at www.lizkaski.com and follow us on Instagram at lccwe. Or you can also follow my Instagram at LizKasky77. See you next time. Hasta la próxima.